0: listeners, subscribers, and fellow outdoorsmen and women. This is your host, Lucas Paw, and I'm excited to tell you about some of the sponsors that continue to help make this podcast not only happen, but grow and thrive in this digital world of audio content. This podcast is brought to you by Ripcord aero Rest, the bow hunters' number one followaway rest on the market. Ripcord is known for 100% full-time arrow containment, and their patented, Big bowl down, hopefully.
1: Yes, indeed, whacking and stacking. Can you
0: hear me all right? I can hear you all right. In fact, nice
1: and loud, actually.
0: Okay. Rather be loud than proud than quiet and. Or that too. Yeah, we're trying to figure out how to how to
1: <clears throat> how to operate the truck and and this at the same time.
0: Sometimes that's a challenge for us.
1: Wait a second, are we supposed to say and now cue the music? <laughs> Come on, Brad, tell us how it is.
0: <laughs> the highway.
1: <laughs> a little bit of comedy going on at
0: the so. First. So the inter- the intro could be welcome to the Rod and Arrow Outdoors Podcast. Like tonight is all there is, because there's It's time for everything. everything hit the drums and three two one well we are live here on the i-10 corridor as we're heading east right now to uh phoenix arizona we've been on the road um for a few hours now we stopped in uh, palm springs area to drop off some uh african safari game to uh My co-host here and friend of the podcast, Mr. Jason Quick, his brother-in-law in in Palm Desert. Welcome, Jason. Sweet. We are on our way to Elkwoods. Yeah, so we're we're just cruising along here. It's actually monsoonal weather in California. Um, Looks like it's going to have some thunderstorms and some rain that's going to hit us in Arizona too. Hopefully not too much rain if we plan to rough it out in the sticks this weekend as we go scout for... uh, Hopefully some velvet elk this weekend is the plan, huh? Oh, man, that's the dream. That's the dream. Get
1: up to the elk woods and hopefully uh, find an area that we could uh, target for uh, the upcoming season. Man, can you believe it? It's only like, it's like a month and a few days away. I yeah. mean, it's like right around the corner. I was telling myself I was going to start working out and exercising a lot more getting and after then it what happened uh <laughs> everything in life happens
0: life happens yeah well to be truthful um archery elk season opens in less than 30 days in montana so th- the season opens september 2nd so we're 29 days away from archery elk hunting then i think what uh 12 days from antelope season opening in a lot of states on the 15th so everybody's getting pretty jazzed we listened to a podcast earlier it sounded like the guys from epic are going to be going out chasing deer here around the 10th or the the 15th of august so um yeah it's that time of year it's that season where you start dusting the bow off hopefully you've already dusted it off and put some shots down range but kind of getting ready getting all your gear set up uh to go out and uh you know start your 2017 deer season or or hunting season if that so yes indeed And you can't say much because you've already dusted that
1: bow off of yours. And then you're going to be elk hunting here real soon. And you know what I'm going to be doing?
0: Yeah. You're going to be, well, you're going to be schlepping around a rifle with your daughter to go hunt. I am head chief. Trophy. Bottle washer. Yeah, you are the bottle washer. (laughs) I'll be sending you a lot of photos, though. That's my plan. Now you're just trying to rub it in. Yeah. Well, how many tags did you draw this year? Let's see here now.
1: <clears throat> I drew, um, mm, man.
0: Or I should say, yeah. how, how many points do you have in most states? <laughs>
1: well, I'm in the high teens and almost everywhere, and I drew absolutely nothing. I didn't even draw my my resident tag that I usually get. So uh, you could say I fell into the loser category, but I did also take a little drastic change in my application process once I found out my daughter had this uh, 22 North uh, early rifle tag. I pretty much went for either the absolute best of the best or nothing at all. Yeah. So it turned into the nothing at all for dad category, and kids are gonna whack and stack.
0: Yeah, the kids are uh, the kids did well this year, so. This podcast, we'll talk, you know, we'll, talk, we'll speak kind of specifically to, to Amber's early rifle hunt here in, in Arizona, where we're heading this weekend. But your son Wyatt also um, won the lottery, too, and drew a pretty good Nevada deer tag, from what I hear. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. Not Nevada deer tag, uh, late season, which really isn't super late. But uh, being that it's right outside of Elko, it is going to be a pretty fun tag. We went over there and did a little scouting a couple weeks ago. Uh, didn't find a whole lot of big bucks yet, but we did find two that were pretty nice, nice candidates. One that was not too super good in regards to scoring, but was super wide. Yeah. And uh, I don't know. To me, it was it was one that I'd probably put on the hit list. But he, of course, being a product of of the hunting generation around here um, and hanging out with us too much, is like. So what do you want? I'm like, you want a you want a wide buck, or you want a tall buck, or you want a heavy buck, an old buck. He said, "Well, can't I just have it all?"
0: <laughs> How old's Wyatt? Oh, whopping thirteen. Thirteen, and he's killed probably what more plains game than most thirteen-year-olds in Africa. Yeah. He's shot most a bigger black-tailed deer than probably most people will ever see in their lifetime. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, he's, <laughs> he's 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 kind of got the, the cake deer. and eat it too. Yeah. But the only
1: thing is, his sister's ragging on him about him not having an elk
0: tag. So, uh. yeah. So, speaking of elk, so this weekend, predominantly, we've we've planned to to try to get up to uh, to Arizona and and spend some time doing some scouting. So. Um, our plan, just kind of to give an overview of what we've got going on, we're heading to Phoenix tonight, and then we'll plan to be up in um, the Payson area this weekend, kind of starting from the east side of the of the unit uh, and uh, moving our way west. And we've got some spots marked uh, from our GPS. So you and I sat down for the night for a few hours and uh, spent some time on, had uh, Onyx Maps up on one side and had Google Earth on the other, and we were placing waypoints on our GPSs, just trying to find some water spots, find some um, you know, areas that look like it would hold elk. And uh, sure enough, I think you know, just looking at some of the Forest Service maps, I think when I looked uh, this morning, when I transferred everything over, I had made uh, close to 75 waypoint <laughs> marks. Oh, we are my, definitely
1: going to hit every one of those this uh, this next two
0: days. Yeah, so <laughs> 75 points that all, you know, hopefully provide some feed, water, sanctuary, and areas that just look really elky, if you will. So, um, so yeah, that's kind of the plan. Um, just to kind of talk a little bit about um, Unit 22, um, when you go online to... Uh, the Arizona uh, Department of Fish and Wildlife, um, they talk about, you know, Area 22, which is actually broken up into two units. Um, They say there's a stable elk herd, uh, roughly around 1,700 elk um, that inhabit um, Unit 22, um, with a bull to cow ratio hovering in around 35 bulls to 100 cows. So when you think of just that um, bull to cow ratio, <clears throat> yes. thirty-five bulls yeah. to hundred cows, that's a pretty good ratio, um, you know, in terms of managing for trophy class. Now it's not a bull to cow ratio like a Unit Nine uh, or you know a Unit Twenty Three, but the beauty of Unit Twenty Two is, is it borders Unit Twenty Three uh, just to the west, uh, while well, Unit Twenty Three to the east. So, so yeah. So with the thought of you know drawing this early rifle tag. Um, that your daughter has you know there's a there's a there's a good chance that there could be some elk Um, you know elk typically don't know boundaries they don't know fences so if they're in the area they're there and the beauty of this hunt is she's going to have a rifle in her hands during basically an archery rut type season so Uh, and
1: it's the first go around too so actually you know the archery guys don't start until the day after her hunt ends so i mean She's going to actually have the first crack at all the bulls in the area. Now, the challenge is, being a a week early, you know, we could have a little issue whether or not some of those bigger bulls that we're kind of hoping might be coming wandering around looking for cows are actually in the area. But come on, let's face facts. We're going to have a fun time.
0: Oh, yeah. I mean, the fact that there's only going to be 30 other hunters in there and you know amber being a non-resident basically had a one percent chance at drawing this tag in the random pool because she was not in the um, the high point or high pass pool so she was the one non-resident with the one percent chance with what three or four points that pulled the early rifle 22 tag so
1: um somebody's got to draw the tag right that's what i was gonna say in other
0: words guess what Somebody's got to draw the tag. So, in looking at uh, some of the early rifle units, uh, you know, there's only probably I would say 15 to 20 units that actually are in the early rifle. Um, a few of them are lumped, like the one, two B, two C. They're lumped together. Three A, three C are lumped together. Uh, but unit 22 on its own has had a harvest harvest success rate on average probably in the 90 percent range. So, um, 87, 93, um, 91. 77 and 93% um, success rate last year. So essentially out of 30 hunters, you know, there's one or two going home without filling their tag uh, in a, uh, and it looks like uh, the 15th to the 21st. So we've essentially got, you know, seven days uh, to get that done. But with only 30 hunters in there, you know, in a bull to cow ratio of, you know, 35 to 100, you figure the unit's got roughly a couple thousand elk in it according to the, the Fish and Wildlife pretty good chances that we're going to probably see um, quite a few bulls. Uh, and, uh, you know, is, is the thought in your mind, being the dad, probably controlling the ammunition of the daughter, that you want to <laughs> be a little selective going into this hunt? Or that
1: was That's kind of the original plan is, ideally speaking, you know, we're going to be there a few days before the season, so really have the hopes of being able to either find and target a specific animal but have two or three animals as backup plans um, but really you know one of the main things that I want her to have is I'm really hoping that we can get into a situation where there's you know multiple bulls and a group of cows and they're all talking even if she doesn't shoot just getting her into that scenario where you know being an experienced hunter and having been out quite a few years I've had that numerous times just as you have had it is such an adrenaline rush when literally you've got 40 or 50 cows around you three or four bulls and everything is just going nuts I mean I could talk to you about when that bull bugles at you know 60 yards or even comes in at 20 yards and bugles and the hair on the back of your neck just stands up on end you know
0: that's that's what it's all about. Yeah, and and you and I have had that experience. But, you know, Amber at, you know, 17 years old, who's, you know, I know she's been posting photos online of, you know, hey, here's an elk I'd like to shoot. And I'm looking at that and saying, okay, that's a good bull, but there's chances of shooting a bigger bull than that. So it's going to be important for her, um, you know, when she sees the first elk that, you know, and who knows, the first elk could be a trophy elk, right? You just never never know. You never know in a place like Arizona, especially in a unit like this. Um, But um, the cool thing is, is that, uh, you know, we're going to have the ability to look over some elk for a while and, uh, you know, hopefully have the chance of getting her set up, you know, on a bull that's, you know, I mean, you know, I know you don't want to be selfish, but, you know, kind of living vicariously through her, you want her to shoot, you know, a pretty good bull. But obviously, you know, probably don't want her to shoot a bull bigger than you've ever shot, but she (laughs) has the potential to do that.
1: Well, I don't know. I mean, I'd like to say that she's not going to shoot one bigger than I've shot, but I, I hate to say this, but she probably will. I yeah. mean, I'm just thinking that if we get that many days in there, we're going to be able to find a couple of nice bulls. And, you know, I i just i think it's going to be a high probability that she shoots a bigger bull than I've ever shot. Yeah. Just, yeah. just the facts of life, Yeah. you know. I've never drawn a tag like this, right? I mean, I've drawn a couple of good tags, but never a tag like this. So I'm hoping that she has the time of her life. I'm hoping that we get to experience everything that I'm wanting to experience. But the reality is that we might pass a little bit on the early part, but when it gets down a couple days into it, you know, we're probably not going to be passing on
0: solid solid bulls so no i think you spend you know like i say you're going to be there three four days before you know get your hit list here's the top three to five bulls in the areas that you've seen them and um you know and if there's just a a stomper in there clearly you want to try to get in their opening day see if you can't harvest that animal with 30 hunters Um, there's still a lot of property in in Unit 22. It's predominantly all forest service and state land. There's really no private land in in Unit 22. Um, But, you know, if you can get a play first day, great. If not, you know, spend two, three days and, you know, get her used to hearing the elk bugling, right, having encounters. I mean, you're gonna have a couple of us back, you know, calling, you know, cow calling, bugling, where these elk could, could blow into, you know, basically archery range. And here yeah. she's going to be sitting there with a 6.5 on a set of shooting sticks, right? So we just probably want to get her nested and, and set up on a few elk just so she can feel that experience and, you know, the experience we've had, but something she's never had, which I think will be important for her uh, because this isn't like shooting pigs and other things that she's done. This is a whole different experience, so.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And that's and that's going to be, come on. We were talking earlier before we got on this podcast about, um, well, what do you do when, when an elk comes in? And I told you, you know, I know one of the times that I was hunting that I launched an arrow and missed an elk that was probably at 25 yards. And, I mean, I missed the whole friggin' elk. I mean, how do you do that? Well, it's because I didn't look down the peep site. Hmm. And you look back now, and now what I do is I tell myself, peep, 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 peep. Just so I remind myself that just because it's point blank doesn't mean you can actually hit it if you don't actually aim
0: at it, Yeah.
1: right? So same thing with her. I know the first time she gets an elk that runs in, she's going to be doing just the same thing. It's going to be off the charts. The heart's going to be beating, you know, 500 beats a second, and it's going to be a massive party.
0: Yeah. No, it's going to be a good time. So. You know, Unit 22, um, where we're going to be, Unit North, it's it's basically the the area north and west of Payson. Um, it holds, from what the fishing game says, majority of the elk in the unit. Um, 22 South is the other subpart of the unit. It generally occurs in the lower densities compared to 22 North, uh, but elk numbers are expanding in 22 South. Um, but really, I think where we're at, um, this seems to be kind of the prime jewel um, of where a lot of the elk are. One of the areas that's you know kind of renowned for for having you know not only good elk but also deer is that Mogi on Rim, which 22 basically exists below the whole Mogi on Rim. Um, and one of the things um, that I heard uh, when I was when I was reading on uh, one of the forums about Unit 22 is it talks about a lot of the elk migrates. So the like the 5A, 6A, and 4A units. Just to the north of 22, they'll, a lot of the elk will actually migrate into those units into 22, um, just because the snow gets so high up above the rim, where 22 sits, in a little bit lower. Now we're probably not going to be hunting a migration based on the time of year in September. Um, so we'll probably be hunting more of those territorial elk or the elk that live in Unit 22, or, have, or you know, have spent the summer there um, most of the time, but. Um, you know, based on topography and what we saw uh, looking at Google Earth and looking at Onyx Maps, um, you know, Jason, you've hunted a lot of different areas all over the world. I mean, what would you yeah. compare some of that to- topography to and some of the photos that we saw of some of those areas around those mesas and kind of what does it remind you of? You, you know, it's really interesting because it doesn't
1: remind me of like the high Alps of Wyoming. You know, it, it's, it's interesting because it's a kind of a cross between the Arizona desert and then the Oregon pine forest. Hmm. It's it's different. So that's actually one of the big things that I'm really curious about is we looked at a lot of areas and you and I were making comments like, oh, my gosh, this kind of area. That it was the opposite area of where we had originally said, well, this is the area we want to go look at because we want to be close to. 23 maybe you know we're going to draw some bulls over yet the area that was more central looked kind of more open with big canyons and some pine pockets as well as some really neat aspen groves and we were both like oh my god that looks that looks elky you know of course and you know it it'll it'll also be a water game there's appears to be lots of water sources throughout this whole unit i mean really you said you had 75 waypoints you know and we were not marking all the water but basically from one side to the other there was there was a lot of water sources and sometimes they weren't very far apart either Mm -hmm. but the question being is if these monsoons fill everything up but then we hit a dry spout here you know 90 percent of them could be dry yeah you know by september sure So it'll be interesting to see how that all plays out, you know, because, you know, elk have to have water. You know, they got to have groceries. They could travel miles and miles, but they're going to have to have water. And and I'm thinking we're looking for large groups of cows, you know, because if we find a bunch of cows in a certain geographical area, there's got to be a dominant bull that's
0: going to come in to try to talk to those girls. Sure. You know, one of the other advantages that we have this year, just based on the the calendar map, looking at the dates from the 15th to the 22nd, um, is the moon cycle and the moon yes. phase. So, one of the things that, if you look at it from an elk hunter standpoint, um, if you're archery hunting during that time frame, in this case, early rifle hunting, we're basically going out of a full moon um, to no, to basically no moon. I believe on like the 18th or 19th, there's basically no moon. So being an elk hunter and knowing that this the you know the the environment's going to be to the fact where we're going to be you know hunting elk with a rifle during the rut season with no moon does that just get you excited about what the potential could be and what we might see it
1: does actually and that was one of the things that was kind of a you know we all talked about that you know back in january looking at the september calendar going man if we could find a hunt during this time period, this could be, you know, the absolute quintessential opportunity to kill a big bull, right? Because yeah. the way it's—the moon cycle is, you know, actually for her hunt, it starts at, at just a little bit more than a quarter and basically goes to a black moon, and then I think she has two days, the black moon, and then two days of hunting towards the end. Now— You know, we all know normally when it gets the darkest, that means the animals are going to be out the longest those next few days. But we also don't know, you know, how it's all going to play out. And like I said, whether or not the, you know, the heat or the lack of water or the extra moisture, what that's going to play into all of this. But I am super, super excited. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, come on. We've been talking about this. I I think I act like a little scared schoolgirl girl and she's the school girl you yeah know? exactly
0: so let's maybe go back in time a little bit so you know this application season is january right so the end of january is when um the elk application uh, time frame is, is is required to be applied for in in uh, arizona for 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 elk so we fast forward to june and uh, i remember i think you texted me and said you know hey um, you know, elk. I think it was elk and antelope are coming out on the Arizona website, so uh, we get to look in. And I still remember getting that phone call from you, and basically what you said was, "Is you'll never believe it." And I was like, "What?" And I'm thinking, "Okay, I know you have a lot of points, um, not only for elk but also antelope." I figured that you probably drew, you know, a, a bomber of a tag, and you told me that Amber had drawn the early rifle 22 tag, which uh, I you know, of course, my mind was fast-forwarding, thinking, okay, how am I going to get time off to go and make sure I can go with (laughs) both Jason and Amber to do that, but um, pretty incredible, you know, and she probably doesn't fully understand what she has. I mean, you and I do, because we know the game, and we know how difficult it is to draw these tags, but, you know, how fortunate she is to be able to go in and do this opportunity, and, uh, you know, our plan is to, do our due diligence to make sure she has the best experience that she can have at her age, right? Yeah,
1: well, and, and putting this into perspective, you know, I mean, I always on my first choice usually put an early rifle hunt, you know, normally that's the first choice. Well, I did that for 10 years until finally I drew a second choice archery tag in Arizona. It was a phenomenal experience on that hunt. So I thought, well, the heck with that. You know, I'm going to go ahead and just always put in for archery hunts. The other side of that coin is every year that I put in, I put my father in. So I put him in for for elk early rifle because he doesn't archery hunt. Well, guess what? You know, I believe he has 17 or 18 points. That means he's applied 17 or 18 years okay, along with a whole bunch of other people, and they've never, ever even had the opportunity to go on a hunt like this. The great part is my dad is actually planning on coming with us, and he's going to get to experience this whole thing, but through the eyes of his granddaughter. Yeah. So it should be a, should be a fun, 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 you know, experience for everybody.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, like I say, you've been applying for a lot of years, and you've been there right next to your dad applying, too, and it's just a matter of time when, you know, we're all going to be making trips over here, and you drew a 7 West tag a few years ago. You've actually hunted 7 West a few times, so yeah, elk hunting in Colorado is not, or excuse me, Arizona is not nothing, anything new to you, but, um, you know, this is going to be a new experience, especially being able to hunt it in the early rifle season, and, uh Again, most people don't ever get to hunt elk with a rifle, you know, in September. So this is a pretty treasured experience.
1: Oh, it's, I mean, this is this is that quintessential, as I said, hunt that, you know, like you said, what, most people's average hunting career, if, if you're really serious, let's say starts when you're 16, 16, 18, maybe, and then you could hunt maybe 40 years well there's guys that have 28 points in arizona and have never drawn a tag mm-hmm. so that's almost you know if you had a 40-year hunting career you know two-thirds of it three quarters of it and you still don't get this opportunity i mean it's yeah it's and there's insane. no
0: guarantee when you draw the tag right yeah you could have a terrible weather year you could have uh i mean you could come down with an illness or something bad happened and You know arizona did instill the point guard system now so with someone having that many points you'd be foolish not to use the point guard um, in the event an emergency happen but um, yeah i mean even though you draw the tag doesn't guarantee you're going to go in and and kill anything you know you're not guaranteed to shoot a trophy just because you've waited 20 years to to draw the tag so I,
1: i do remember a couple of guys telling me that you know they drew arizona strip deer tags but they happened to draw it on the year that you know there was a a drought, you know, and they killed a couple of nice deer, but you know, they spent all their time just trying to find a, you know, 180 class deer when, if it would have been a moisture year, probably the deer that they ended up killing could have been a 200 plus inch deer. You just never know. Mother Nature, as we heard in a last podcast, is is a very unique situation. Mother yeah. Nature can make you or break you pretty much every time.
0: Yeah, and, and kind of the the information, or at least the intel we've heard, is that Arizona overall has had a pretty good moisture season, all the way from kind of the winter months into the spring. Um, so, you know, antler growth on the uh, animals should be pretty good this year. They are getting some weather right now. So, they're getting that, you know, two to three week monsoonal weather where there are a lot of the lakes and, and, and water trickle tanks and stuff are getting filled up with water. So, all of that, you know, helps extend. Um, you know, a a relatively good um, moisture year so far, which in the end result will be as hopefully these animals will see, um, you know, kind of the, the, you know, reaping those benefits based on the fact that there's been good water and feed throughout the course of the year. You know,
1: that's, that is very true. And, and actually seeing these uh, monsoons coming through is actually been pretty, pretty good in my mind, even though I've heard that there's been you know a lot of erosion and probably some uh, road damage that maybe we don't know about um, that's another good reason for coming over here and just taking a look around um, what I'm really looking forward to is there's you know there's been a burn in the area just recently and I'm curious whether or not that burn is now getting hammered rain Now, that could cause a whole bunch of issues with bad roads, but it also can cause a whole bunch of beautiful things called Mm -hmm. green shoots and fresh browse. And who knows? That could be an area where, you know, you could see a distance and you might be able to find, you know, three herds of elk in a certain geographical area. Yeah. It would be interesting to find out.
0: And that's the interesting thing. I mean, anytime there's a burn, I mean, that always kind of, you know, Peaks an elk hunter's interest anytime, you know. There's been a burn either the previous year or that year. Um, just based on that fact, the one issue is is that when you get heavy rains, that erosion can set in, and you could just have a, a wet, sloppy mess. But you also have, if there is rain, you know, a lot of that. Um, you know, that ground is so rich in minerals during that time that elk like to get into that area or deer like to get into that area and roll around in that ash. It also um, regerminates to to good, you know, um, feed. So when the feed comes back, uh, there's there's always generally animals in those areas, uh, because there's there's really good feed in those burned areas, and it it's not really a, a hidden secret or a myth, but when someone hears of a burn, typically that's one of the first areas that they'll want to check on their list just to see, you know, has there been any good feed in there and is there any animals hanging around in that burn area?
1: Yeah, and we could be there with, you know, 20 other guys looking at the same three bulls possibly, but it's got to be a place that we check out,
0: you yeah, know? Yeah, absolutely. So this weekend, um, we're, we're going to plan to get up into the hills roughly anywhere from five to 7,000 feet. And, uh, you know, like we said, kind of work our way east to west, um, you know, starting around the Payson area, working to the north around the rim, coming down near, there's a small town called Pine, uh, and then working some of the mesas out that way. And, uh, you know, I think our our plan is to, you know, set optics out, um, get into areas where we can glass for for quite a ways, uh, set binoculars on on tripods, get um, spotting scopes ready, and go out and try to you know identify some some animals maybe looking through our 10s and 15s and then you know put a spotter on them and see kind of what these elk look like from a distance and you know thinking about you know we're roughly like I say about a month away you know these elk are not going to be migrating anywhere so we're like i said we're not hunting a migratory herd we're, we're hunting a group of elk that are likely going to be in this area in another month the question is going to be is how far are they going to move and we know that, you know, during a rut season, elk, uh, you know, a bull could move anywhere from three to five miles in a night just to find, you know, that next group of cows that he wants to breed. So that'll be the challenge is is finding, you know, what we think we see here in a month. But I think more or less the key is is to find roads, find areas where, you know, we know, you know, hey, we, we check 50 spots, and out of those 50, these are the 10 that we think are the best, and probably having those on the list when we get here uh, in September would be yeah, my thought.
1: Absolutely, and you know, I mean, back to that same story, I really, I mean, optics is key. We've always said that. I want to find, you know, those key spots that you think, okay, maybe these are the three big areas that we want to concentrate on to start off with when we come back, but I also want to be able to say, okay you need to go to this knob and glass at daylight looking due east you know Mm -hmm. that way also you know we've got a few other people that are going to be helping us out to start off with so we may be able to say okay well you know i'm going to go this direction you go that direction let's get two other people over here and put people in strategic positions to be able to go okay at first light, you need to be here, look in that direction, and see if we see anything. Yeah. So, to me, I think that's that's a big, big situation that we need to focus on, and really, that's hopefully going to be happening. You know, a couple of days prior to the, the actual opener.
0: Yeah, and that that'll be the good thing is you'll get to put some boots on the ground in September when you come out, and uh, I'll be coming back from Montana. Um, right on the opener so you know like I said hopefully you know come the first few days of the season we've got you know something lined up or you know you've you've got some good digiscoping footage of a few bulls during that time that um, you know we think would be good you know quality animals for for amber to harvest and you know the other key to this hunt's going to be is you know it's probably going to be I mean it's going to be pretty warm it's not going to be hot so we're not hunting You know desert like we're hunting uh you know up near the grand canyon or anything like that but it's still going to be warm so you know care of the meat is going to be important during this hunt and uh thinking about you know kind of what we need to do what's kind of your strategy to ensure that you know once we get an elk down and you know clearly get it taken care of what's going to be kind of your thoughts around making sure that we don't spoil any of the meat or keep this elk from going bad
1: well one of the things i'd like to do and i've got a friend uh, who's uh dad or actually his father-in-law lives in Payson. I'm going to actually see if we could find a uh, meat locker that we could probably put everything in. I really want to also try to save the cape if it's a decent bull. Want to get all that cooled down as soon as possible because, you know, that's that's the that's a big thing. Is, I mean, elk meat is so fantastic. I mean, <laughs> what we just ate some just a couple of weeks ago. Yeah. I just so you know, I got down to my last two packages of elk steaks. Still Uh-oh. have ground, but I'm out of steaks already. So I'm already I'm already salivating thinking about the the back straps and how they need to be cooled down properly. Yeah. The other side of that is, you know, I mean if things work out, you know, if we could find a location that has dry ice, you know, maybe get set up I we have plenty of big coolers and then just like you and I had talked about, possibly bring it home hang it in the buddy's cooler, and then uh, just just cut it up ourselves. Yeah. Is I normally don't do that personally. That's just never been what I've done. But at the same time, the last couple of times you and I have been out and we've done that, it's been fantastic.
0: Yeah. And, you, you know, not that we don't have good processors where we live, but, you know, I just have always been suspect when I've had an animal taken into a butcher. You know, is it the animal I'm getting back? you know, a lot of the meat blocks, that's typically not the case. But, um, you know, it it does take time. But I always think that, you know, if you spend the time to go and hunt the animal, you know, give it its respect and make sure that you get it cut up. And, you know, then you can do whatever we want. We can do sausage with it. We can do jerky. We can do hamburger. I mean, there's a lot of options. We can do chorizo and other things. So, so yeah, that's going to be critical, you know, just to make sure that we do good preparation and and care for the meat. So, Anyway, well, we're pulling into Quartzsite here just past the uh, Arizona state line, and uh, we're going to drop in and uh, I think top off the truck, right? Yep. Maybe grab some fuel. Maybe grab a little something to eat, and uh, we'll get back on the road. So, anyway, with that, uh, we'll go ahead and sign off for this portion uh, of our uh, podcast. We're going to kind of do a series of shows on our trip here. Uh, You know, kind of talking about, you know, what we're seeing. We'll probably do a few while we're on the mountain, just kind of recapping the events of the day. So, anyway, Jason, looking forward to the weekend, and uh, hopefully we can turn up some good bowls, huh? Absolutely going to be a blast, no pun intended. All right, we'll kick some, uh... this probably wasn't the song we wanted to kick it down with. But, anyway, signing off, listeners, we'll catch you here in a little bit. Hey everyone, this is Lucas Paw, host of the RNA Outdoors podcast. Please check out Podbean and iTunes. If you have an iPhone or iPad, go to the podcast app on your device, search for RNA Outdoors, and hit the purple subscribe button. When doing this, it will automatically upload when new podcasts are loaded and they will download into your queue. For Android users, you can access the podcast through Podbean, Stitcher, or use our website, www.rnaoutdoors.com forward slash podcast. In addition, under the RNA Outdoors podcast channel, please leave a review and a five-star rating. These reviews help boost our popularity and outreach. You can also follow us on our social media outlets, Twitter at RNA Outdoors, Facebook, RNA Outdoors, and Instagram, Rod and Arrow Outdoors. All links are in the show notes as well.